to me, it's more about helping the patients out, you know, providing the answers for them. You know, some of these people have struggled with a disease or an illness or a condition for a long time. And, you know, we take every one of these specimens that we see and we realize, you know, somebody's life is attached to the specimen. Welcome to the Health Science Coach Podcast. My name is Drew Garner and I'm a health science and physical education teacher. This is a podcast to help students, parents, and recent graduates learn about pathways into healthcare and sports medicine careers. These industry professionals lay out how their experiences have helped them get to where they are now. If you enjoy this content, please subscribe to the channel or download through your podcast player. Thanks again for spending some time with us today. Now let's dig in. Today we get the pleasure of meeting with Michael Hughes. He is the director of Core Lab at Quest Diagnostics uh, here in Kansas City. Uh, welcome, Michael. And thank you for joining us today to uh, discuss Quest Diagnostics in your career. Thank you. Um, so can you give us a little detail about what you do with Quest, uh, specifically to the uh, Core Lab Association? So Quest Diagnostics is the uh, largest private laboratory company in the United States. Uh, here in Lenexa, we perform about 150,000 lab tests a day in, in our core lab. Uh, so it's any kind of automated chemistry testing, uh, immunochemistry, we do serology testing, we do microbiology, hematology. So uh, the, the easiest way I can describe it is anytime you go to the doctor and they say we're taking blood or urine or any other kind of body fluid and they say we're sending it to the lab, we're the lab. <laughs> Well, that's pretty cool to to know. I mean, I guess especially here in Kansas City, to know where it's going. Um, does that come from all over the nation, or just regionally or locally? Uh, we actually get samples in from 19 states here in our laboratory every night. Uh, so pretty much anything from the Rocky Mountains to the Mississippi River, from Oklahoma north, uh, most of that comes into here. All right. Yeah, that's really interesting, uh, especially to know where it's going. Um, what's a typical day in the life? I know as a as, as a director, your job is a little bit different. Um, so let's speak about uh, a director position as well as a medical laboratory scientist. Uh, in the director position, my day is uh, usually a lot of meetings and phone calls. Uh, and, and you just miss the days when you can... Uh, go sit on a bench and do actually bench work. Uh, a day in the life of the bench, it's a lot of uh, getting instruments ready to perform testing, all of the uh, quality control materials that we run to make sure the instruments are running correctly, all the calibrations of the instrument, all of the maintenance to make sure that it's running correctly that day. And then it's a lot of uh, putting specimens on the analyzers, once the analyzer starts generating the results, then it's reviewing the results to make sure that they make sense, make sure that everything looks correctly. Uh, in hematology, it would be a little bit different. This is one area where we do use the microscopes quite a bit. So uh, we have techs that will spend their entire day doing nothing but reading the blood smears on the microscopes or reading your analysis on the microscopes. And then uh, microbiology, if you've ever had any kind of micro class where you're plating stuff out on auger plates, uh, a lot of micro is still done that way, where we're 
plating it out and letting it grow in an incubator for 24 to 48 hours, and then we're reviewing it and uh, resulting uh, it out. So yeah, you brought up two of those two of those different types. I believe there's I think six types of different uh, medical lab scientists that you guys have there. Is that right? Or six departments, I guess. Uh, yes, we have about six different departments. And and what all are those six? Uh, we have uh, hematology. We have an automated chemistry. We have an immunochemistry. We have a uh, microbiology. We have a molecular biology, and we have serology. Okay. And so the different tests that they're running uh, through the through the lab, I guess, on the daily basis. Um, how do those different uh, departments kind of work together, and how are they different? Uh, well, the the uh, departments are broken down by which assays they perform. Uh, serology is usually what we would consider infectious disease testing. So uh, measles, mumps, rubella, uh, syphilis, uh, those would be tests that people are familiar with or have heard of. Uh, they also do tick-borne illnesses in, in those departments, and we also do autoimmune disease testing in our serology department. Uh, hematology is anything to do with whole blood. So we do uh, the complete blood counts, hemoglobin hematocrits, uh, anything to do with those types of assays. We also do coagulation testing for people who may be on any kind of blood thinner where they're monitoring their dosage of the blood thinners. Uh, Autochemistry is usually just your general wellness profiles uh, that almost everyone gets every time they go to the doctor. So it's a lot of your sodium, potassium, chloride values, your iron profiles, your cholesterol, triglycerides, your lipids, uh, your kidney function, your liver function tests are all in autochemistry. And then in immunochemistry, we do hormone testing, we do thyroid testing, and we do uh, allergy testing. Okay. Yeah, I actually went to an allergy doctor when I was little and did all the tricks in your back and all that fun stuff. Um, so that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, you studied your undergraduate at the University of Kansas. Um, yes. What did you study there, and how did you kind of choose to get into medical lab? I, I'm going to date myself here. Uh, I, I did, uh, after I graduated from high school, I did uh, six years on active duty in the uh, United States Army. And when I got out of the United States Army, I uh, was looking to go back to college. And uh, at the time, I literally had a catalog. It, it literally was a catalog that you flipped through of all the different majors that uh, the University of Kansas offered at the time. I, I know, right. you know, students today can't imagine that we actually did that, but we did. Uh, and I, I came across this program that was called medical technology. And in all transparency, what they described in the catalog and what I do today in the laboratory was nothing close to what it was. <laughs> it's right. not even sound the same. 
but it sounded interesting in the catalog. So I started pursuing that as a major in college. And uh, I was about two years, two and a half years into that major before I really figured out what I was going to be doing. And I decided I am uh, 26 years old. I am too old to be changing a major and starting over in college. So I guess this is what I'm going to be doing. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Thank you for your service. Uh, you know, six years in the in the Army. Um, was there anything that you experienced in the Army that kind of led you to wanting to study that uh, as a... No. No? Okay. Um, <laughs> so... Picking the University of Kansas was, uh, you know, was there any other school options that you were looking at or how did you kind of come across KU as your your school program? Uh, I, I was uh, and still am. I'm married and uh, my wife was working in uh, Lawrence at the time. So okay. uh, University of Kansas made yeah. sense to go to school. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so then did you start working immediately after your undergraduate program or how did that kind of go into your pre pre previous job experiences? So uh, the uh, medical technology program at the time I went through and it's changed a little bit now, but you did uh, three years on main campus in Lawrence and then your last year was at the med center in uh, Kansas City. And part of the last year of your school is you go to different facilities, different laboratories, and spend time doing training in, in different facilities, not only what you're doing at the University of Kansas, but you go other places. And when I rotated through uh, where I'm at now, they needed help on the weekends. So I actually started working uh, on the weekends about three months before I graduated. And uh, when I graduated, I moved into a full-time position, and that was 24 years ago now. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty cool to, to be able to pull up that side job and then still, still be there uh, as a director now. Um, so with your master's degree, you got your master's in healthcare administration from Capella University. Um, what kind of led you to want to continue your education and choosing uh, healthcare administration? Uh, I wanted, I was a uh, supervisor and knew that I wanted to continue to move up in, into the company and uh, getting a master's degree was highly recommended to, uh, you know, assist in that upward mobility. Uh, so I started looking at different programs. And while a lot of people are getting their uh, master's in business administration, I decided to be more specific and get mine in uh, healthcare administration since that's what I was, you know, in. Okay. Um, and for that program, uh, I'm guessing it was an online program. How long was that uh, to go through? I, now you're going to make me think. I, I believe it was a three-year program at the. Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right for that. Um, so why should someone, you know, you mentioned a lot of positions opening up in, as a medical laboratory scientist and and needing help in that many tests going through your facility on a daily basis, why should someone become a medical laboratory scientist? You know, really people that we find are very uh, successful and very 
happy in this field are those one you need to love science that, that's kind of a given uh in this field uh but it's really people who are very uh data oriented they they like uh problem solving they like investigating uh issues and they like working through the entire process of it and then uh it's people who really want to be in healthcare but they don't necessarily want the day-to-day -day contact with the patients. They don't want right. all the FaceTime with the patients. Uh, I, if I talk to two or three patients a year, that, that's kind of surprising. You know, I spend a lot of time talking to doctors and nurses about test results, but really contact, one-on-one -on -one contact with patients, we just don't have it. So the people who are in this field are ones that you know, they, they want to do something in the science field. They want to do something in healthcare, but not necessarily direct contact with patients. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense that a lot of your contact would be with the nurses and doctors and, and talking with them about the, the results of the tests or if there was an issue with a test. Um, right. What do you find personally rewarding about uh, working in that field and at, at Quest? You know, uh, a lot of times the first indication the uh, clinicians have that something is really wrong is the results that we're seeing. I, I can't okay. tell you how many times a day they're ordering tests and they're just trying to find out what is going on with somebody. And we're the ones that are providing those answers to them. Uh, it's about 70% of all healthcare decisions are based on laboratory testing. So we're typically the first ones to see those results and you know we're the ones sharing that information with the clinicians so they can make the proper diagnosis and get the right treatment started yeah that's a really important step i mean you guys are are the ones that are are seeing that uh diagnosis first and helping the doctor either uh you know make sure that they have what they thought was right or show them what it wasn't or show them what was could be wrong with the person. Um, do you have any uh, misconceptions that people might think about medical laboratory scientists that you'd want to debunk? Um, so a, a lot of people, when they come visit our laboratory, they are very surprised at the amount of automation that we have. Uh, they expect to see a people sitting at a table uh, looking at a microscope and have uh, beakers and chemical jars sitting all around them, kind of like the mad scientist picture that you get. Uh, it, that's certainly not true. You know, we run uh, 100,000, 300,000 million dollar analyzers, and uh, it's quite an experience to see an actual laboratory of this size and scope and how much we actually do. That's, I mean, working with that big of equipment and running that many tests, you would need, you know, I don't even know how many actual hands-on people you would need to do that without the assistance of that that technology being able to help you. Um, so that's a big benefit, I guess, of, you know, having that there at your disposal to be able to run uh, the numbers that you guys run. Um, what do you find personally uh, just that you love about being able to help the doctors and sharing, uh, or like as a medical laboratory scientist, sharing that that information with them. Um, I, I'm sure there's something that feels really good about just 
you know, being able to help those professionals out? Uh, you know, it, to me, it, it's more about helping the patients out, you know, providing the answers for them. You know, some of these people have struggled with a disease or an illness or a condition for a long time. And, you know, we take every one of these specimens that we see and we realize, you know, somebody's life is attached to the specimen and just being able to provide them those answers. Uh, if nothing else for the peace of mind of, I finally have an answer of what's going on with me. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Um, so for the, clinical the news is not always, let's say, you know, the news is not always positive, you know, but sometimes it's just about, we finally were able to give you an answer. Right. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Um, as far as professional development, uh, doctors, nurses, et cetera, have certain amount of hours that they have to get every two years to renew their license. Is there anything uh, professional development wise that sci laboratory scientists need to work on throughout their time there? Uh, we are required to have 36 hours every three years, so 12 hours you know, a year. That's what we're required what, to maintain all our certifications. What do some of those opportunities look like uh, or what are some options that scientists choose to to work on? Uh, obviously, there you know there's a a lot of online uh, training that can be done now. Uh, and there's in-person uh, continuing education and seminars that can be done. Uh, you can also go back and uh, get specialty certifications in your particular field, whether you want to be a specialist in blood bank or a specialist in chemistry or hematology. So. There's a lot of avenues to get uh, that necessary hours or the required training hours. Okay. Um, and are there any industry trends that are kind of happening? I know we had to develop the the new testing for COVID, obviously, recently in the last couple of years. Um, other than that, as far as testing goes or ways that uh, machines or anything like that, uh, what kind of industry trends are out there as far as laboratory uh, yeah, more and more testing is going to uh, automated platforms. It's a lot of, uh, it's not a lot of uh, as manual intervention as much as it was even 10 or 15 years ago. And a lot of that is being driven by that there are not as many uh, medical laboratory scientist programs out there in the country. Uh, we are having about twice as many people retire every year as what graduate from MLS programs. So this is one of the reasons why we're doing these kind of events is just to try to raise the awareness of this career field and, and how much demand that it actually is. Uh, so as we lose more and more people and the work, the amount of, I guess, qualified people shrink uh, to do this job, we're having to look for more automated platforms and what can we have an instrument do just to not have a person do anymore. Um, and so that kind of segues into how I kind of got hooked up with you guys and learned about, you know, lab week coming up. Um, SLU University is uh, a partnership with you guys uh, out of St. Louis and St. Louis University. Um, they're host or they have a 
um, hybrid uh, degree there uh, in Kansas City through SLU. Um, can you speak anything about that and how that's kind of ran and put together? So we're still actually in the initial uh, recruiting phases. Uh, the first class of this is going to start in June of this year. And it will be all of the uh, didactal portion will be an online um, program. But then the students will actually come into our laboratory uh, where we have a uh, lab built, a student teaching lab built. Uh, and they'll be able to do all of their hands-on laboratory training here. And then uh, they will also need to go out, just as I did 25 years ago, uh, you know, go out and do their clinical rotations in a laboratory so they can get that real life experience. And then upon graduation, they're eligible to sit for their uh, uh, certification exams. Okay. And that's a four year program, is that correct? Uh, they to enter into this program, I believe they already have to have their bachelor's or they have to have most of their bachelor's. Uh, I think SLU is planning on completing these rotations, this hybrid program, I think in 18 months. Okay. All right, so that's pretty cool. Um, you know, being able to partnership with a, a college like that and university and, and being able to have that option of, uh, you know, the hybrid where they are able to do the online courses and then come in to do the the clinicals. Um, how many rotations, I guess, or or hands-on experiences do they experience while they're or planning on experiencing while they're coming in uh, to do that with you guys? Uh, I mean, they'll they'll have to do the hands-on experience going through uh, a, a hematology lab, a chemistry lab, a microbiology lab. Uh, serology, so there'll be like uh, six different portions that they'll have to do for hands-on experiences. Right. That's great. Um, so kind of looking at your career a little bit more, um, you know, like you said, you've been at, at Quest for 24 years. What are some of the things that you might be professionally uh, most proud of achieving so far? Oh, heavens. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, you know, uh, I, I tell people, you know, I, I started out here when I was in college, as we talked about, as a, uh, a lab aide, and I've kind of worked my way up uh, into, as you said, into the director's position. You know, that obviously took a long time uh, to get to that director's position that I'm at now. Uh, this is a career like, you know, probably like any other, but, you know, you never start, never stop learning. There's always new technology, there's always new testing coming out. So just trying to uh, keep up with all the new trends in the industry is, you know, something to be uh, complimented for all of us who are doing this. Uh, and then, you know, the laboratories really started to get recognition for the first time in their life during COVID. And that was just something that, you know, all the laboratorians I've talked to around the Kansas City area, you know, all, all of us are just glad that we survived COVID. <laughs> right. Yeah, that is especially working with the, the samples there in the in the lab and, you know, having to run so many extra tests on top of what you're doing to begin with. Um, looking at your career, is there anything wish you would have gone back or looking back at it now, I guess? Uh, is there anything you wish you could go back and could have possibly done differently or added in to uh, where you are at now? 
Uh, not for where I'm at now. I, I think, uh, you know, getting the MLS or the medical laboratory science degree, it was a great start. And then doing the master's degree like I did, uh, you know, that, that seems to be, if you want to get into leadership positions, that seems to be the route to take. Um, and then kind of professionally, you know, you're in that director position. Do you uh, see yourself, uh, I guess, in the next five to 10 years, continuing to work there or branching off, helping start something new? Or where do you kind of see yourself uh, professionally? I have no plans to leave where I'm at right now. So that's absolutely. I mean, like you said, you've been there for so long. Um, and then growing the the company to, like you said, all those states in the mid, main, mid, mainly in the Midwest. Um, let's kind of look at some advice you could potentially have for some individuals in in four different time frames in their life. So let's look at like a high school junior or senior. They're really interested in science and chemistry, uh, maybe biology as well. Um, they hear about this MLS program and are really interested about it. What are some things that they should or could be looking at as far as opportunities to learn more or stuff that they should be focusing on? Uh, I would tell them to uh, you know research all of the colleges, especially if we're looking at uh, students that are here in the Kansas City metro area. Uh, you know, research which colleges are offering these MLS programs. Uh, there are actually quite a few that people don't know about. They have these programs that are relatively close. Uh, you know, Wichita State is not very far. They have a program, as we talked about, KU still has a program. Uh, St. Mary's in Leavenworth, if they're looking at a smaller college, has a program. Uh, Missouri Western, it's not that far away, uh, they have an MLS program, but a lot of these programs have problems even getting uh, the number of students that they would allow into their program every year. They just don't have enough students even applying to get into these programs because uh, students either don't know about it or they're just not uh, sharing that information enough. So, you know, look to see what colleges offer. And if, like I said, if you're wanting to go to a big college, KU and Wichita State offer it. If you're wanting to go to a smaller college, you know, there are smaller colleges that have these programs as well that you can get into. Um, so now let's look at a college undergraduate. They've started their, or they've gotten their prereqs out of the way, the basic English, math, science, that kind of stuff. Uh, they're kind of looking to, to apply to that MLS program, um, what advice do you have for them as far as uh, experiences, maybe like that side job that you had talked about on the weekends, um, stuff like that that could be beneficial towards them? Yeah, there there are a lot of laboratories that will hire uh, students as part-time help uh, to come in and, it, you know, it gives them a real experience to uh, see what the laboratory is like and to make sure this is something that they want to do and they enjoy doing. Uh, I know we offer an internship program in the summer where we'll take 10 students uh, that they can come into our laboratory and get in some experience as far as working in a laboratory. Uh, so I, I would say look for some of these opportunities to, you know, if, if 
if not work part time, at least see if some of these laboratories would let you come in and shadow someone for a day or a couple of days and see, you know, make sure this is something you enjoy. As far as those internships go, uh, you know, with 10 spots available for that, what are the qualifications that you're kind of looking for as far as educational background or how far along they need to be in and, and what kind of goes into that internship as far as days a week and time frames? So it is a uh, we're, we're primarily looking at uh, students that have completed their sophomore year in college. Uh, we have taken a few that have completed their junior year, but we primarily want the sophomore year uh, just because once they've completed their junior year and they're moving into their senior year, not very many of them are going to want to change a major and spend longer in college at that time. But in their sophomore year, they typically still have time to change to an MLS major and still complete in four years if they've been on the biology or chemistry or some kind of molecular biology track. Uh, and that's what we're looking for is we want the science background uh, in them. Okay. And are these paid internships? And if so, how many hours yes. a week are they? It's a 40-hour-a-week. Uh, it's a paid internship uh, for 10 weeks. Uh, the first week uh, is a lot of orientation and just getting them an introduction. Uh, and then they rotate through three clinical departments for three weeks at a time. So they will spend Monday through Friday uh, for three weeks in a particular clinical department and then we'll rotate them to another one. And so they just kind of move around in the laboratory to get experience in different parts of the lab. Yeah, that's pretty cool to be able to have that experience and, and getting them in while they're still uh, looking for that major like you talked about. Um, as far as somebody getting ready to graduate and looking for their first job, uh, what advice do you have maybe on when they should start applying or, um, you know, looking at uh, different companies to work for? Uh, you know, a, a lot of these students, as they're doing their MLS rotations uh, through the different laboratories that they go to, uh, they don't even have to start looking for a job because uh, where they're doing their rotations uh, is probably talking to them about hiring them because we are all so bad in need of new talent, you know, new graduates. So uh, the advice we always give to students as they go out and start doing their rotations is, you know, you're, you're on a four month job interview right now because if you apply yourself and you do well in your rotation, more than likely, they're going to offer you a job. Okay. So, uh, so then with those uh, six different categories of uh, medical laboratory scientists, is there one that is higher paid as a starting position, or are they all kind of around the same? And and what is that general pay range? Uh, they are all very comparable. Uh, we, we don't necessarily pay more because you're working in chemistry than working in microbiology, for example. Uh, and generally, most places are starting out in the uh, upper 20s, middle to upper 20s uh, per hour for techs now. That's pretty good. Um, and then the last part is, you know, like you had mentioned a little bit before, is they're on that four-month um, 
recruiting process by uh, or interview process from you guys when they're doing their rotations. Uh, as far as a uh, graduate that has a job and is in their position for three to six months, uh, what kind of things should they be looking for from current employees or uh, continuing to focus on uh, as they're kind of fresh in their career? Hopefully if they're at the uh, three to six month part, they have uh, taken and passed their certification exams. Uh, okay. If they hadn't, that would be my first advice. Take your certification exam, although most universities now when they graduate uh, already have the students enroll right away. Uh, right. And then, you know, just be willing to learn. Uh, just because you've graduated doesn't certainly mean you know everything. Uh, just continue to learn everything you can about the field and about whatever particular area you're working in uh, and, and never tell yourself that you're not going to go work in a certain part of the lab. Uh, you know, I, 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 I tell you, I worked in, uh, I, I've been over hematology, a hematology department or worked in a hematology department for 23 of the 24 years that I've been here. And when I was in school, I couldn't stand hematology. I just, I couldn't stand it. Told myself when I was in school, I will never work in heme. This is the worst place in the lab to be. And a year later, I got moved into hematology and 23 years later, I'm still in hematology. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And, and thinking about that, as far as the career path, you know, like you said, always keep all your options open um, and, and never doubt that you one, wouldn't want to work in one of them uh, is pretty important. Um, do you have any book recommendations or like maybe a movie um, for a high school or college student that might be interested in becoming a medical laboratory scientist? I really don't. They don't write, you know, the, this is not considered a glamorous job. So they're not Hollywood's not going to be making movies about what happens in a laboratory like they do the emergency room. <laughs> I would agree with that. Um, as far as this next question, this is kind of a two part and then we have one more and uh, we'll let you get back to work. Um, as far as likes and dislike, it's uh, if you dislike blank, then being a medical laboratory scientist is not the career path for you. If you dislike science. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty, that sums it up good. Um, and then I'm going to take science away from you for the like portion, but if you like blank, then being a, a medical laboratory scientist is the right career path for you. Uh, you know, really, I think it goes back to if you like the uh, data analysis, if you like problem solving, if you like looking at, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, if you like figuring out puzzles, you know, that, that's a lot of what we do to come to the right answer sometimes. Not everything in the laboratory just always spits out a straightforward answer and you have to spend time investigating and working with it and making sure you're getting to the right answer. So if you like that problem solving aspect of uh, working, then this is actually a really good career for you. Um, last question I have is, do you have a quote that you kind of live your life by and how does that apply to your work? Uh, you know, one of my uh, favorite quotes is by uh, Deming. And uh, it's 
J. Edward Deming, and he said, uh, let me make sure I get the quote right for you. <laughs> you, you. You do not have to change in order to survive. Survival is not mandatory. And, you know, it, it's goes to you, you you need to make sure you can adapt to changes that are happening around you in this field or any other field you know be, be willing to change and grow absolutely um and if someone's interested in finding more about quest or medical laboratory scientists is there a contact that someone could reach out to you uh, as far as websites or potential job openings internships that kind of stuff uh, all of our openings are posted on the uh, uh, Quest Diagnostics Career site. Thank you so much for spending this hour with us and, and talking to us about Quest and what you do there at your at your job and your your history and background of of education. We really appreciate this. All right, thank you. If you've made it this far into the episode, I want to thank you again for watching. Please subscribe, share, and comment below with any questions or comments you may have. If you're interested in more information about other professions within healthcare careers, please visit healthsciencecoach.com and talk to your school counselor or academic advisor. As always, stay happy, healthy, and live life with passion.